Hello and welcome to the Kensington Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. This week, Selma meets Adam Norton, the Centre Manager of St Mary Abbott Centre in Kensington. Don't forget to check out our website, visitkensington.co.uk, to stay informed of everything Kensington has to offer. And you can follow us on Instagram, look for our profile, We Love W8. And now let's join Selma, who met Adam Norton of St Mary Abbott Centre. Adam, welcome. Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Pleasure. Pleasure to be here. So, you're the manager of the St Mary Abbott's Church Hall here in Kensington. Can I ask, how long have you been here and how did you end up getting the job? Yes, I have to say, first of all, we don't call it the Church Hall. We call it the the St Mary Abbott Centre. Because, as you know from visiting it, it is so much more than just a hall. And my predecessor rebranded it as St Mary Abbott Centre. We might rebrand it again as St Mary Abbott's Church Centre, uh-huh. because obviously that's what it is. But it, it isn't just a hall. And I always think if I say, well, I just run a church hall, people will think that, well, that's not, that's not very much of a job. <laughs> we have somebody in our church that does that for nothing, you know. <laughs> So, um, yes, but I am the manager of the St Mary Abbott Centre. I can't believe it. I've been here for nearly 10 years. But if you'd asked me, you know, 15 years ago, told me that I would be running, a, a, working for the Church of England, as it were, I would have said, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but no, I, um, my wife, who is an exam invigilator, or was before the pandemic, uh, her company used the hall, the, the theatre space, for exams. And she came home one day and said, I've got a brilliant idea because I had a, a business, a gift business, that was, it was fine, but it after the recession of 2008, 2009, it took a bit of a pasting. Mm-hmm. And she said, I've got a brilliant idea because you're not getting any younger. And what you do is, su- you know, I used to go all over the country fairs and things. Um, I've got a brilliant idea. You know that uh, the manager of Samaria Abbott Centre is retiring. Uh, why don't you put in for the job? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I said, well, why would I want to do that? And she said, because you'd be so good at it. <laughs> and um, so I did and I got it. Uh, there was some fierce competition, I believe. So, um, <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't a shoe in, yeah, but yeah. so I ended up here as as the manager. Yeah. yeah, I can actually remember that as well. I can remember when you first arrived. I didn't actually. I can't remember the guy before you. I, I know his name, but I couldn't put a face to a name. But he I was do called remember. Terry Pritchard. He was yeah. called Terry Pritchard, and he was a larger than life Australian. Ah, right. Uh, who who, who um, I, I thought well, I won't be able to fill his shoes. Mm. Or his moccasins. As, um, <laughs> um, he spent most of the summer months in shorts, which uh, I don't do. He <laughs> was quite a character, so uh, I took over. I took over from him. So, what sort of things do you actually have to organise in your daily working life? Well, I should have. I was just thinking I should have pulled out the the job description because it's everything from running the the bookings my main job is filling well trying to fill the spaces the rental spaces out Mm -hmm. uh, to make money for the church it it provides a a large annual income for the church and the big hall is used mainly for play rehearsals by west end theatre companies big west end theatre companies and exams and then the lower hall is used for all sorts of 
things from local societies, um, political parties, wakes, children's parties, all sorts of things. The, the, the National Doll Club of Great Britain, Romanian book launches. We used to have Weight Watchers, but of course now everyone in Kensington so slim or going to liposuction. So we, we don't have that anymore. We, we might need to reopen that after the pandemic, I have to say. Yes, yeah. Well, yes, I've put on weight over the pandemic. I found that out this morning to my, to my yeah. shame. But then, of course, I have to look after the, the maintenance of the place. Mm. And that's one good thing about lockdown is we've been able to, to have the place redecorated, um, yeah. repainted, which we could yeah. never find the time to repaint the theatre because it was always so busy. Yes. So we've been able to do that. And then we also have a large car park, which we rent out. And luckily, the income from that, because parking is such a premium in Kensington, nobody has given up their parking spaces. So uh, that brings in some considerable income a year. Each year you organise a summer fete and a Christmas bazaar. And I've also been to the, the, is it an annual quiz? Ah, the the famous stewardship, the stewardship quiz night supper. Yes. Yes. That was, um, that was Father Gillian's, the late, it's not late in that uh, form of it um that that was an evening he he particularly liked uh, and was always determined to win (laughs) 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 but um yes the summer fair we are blessed with the vicarage which is also on the site of the center as you know uh behind the vicarage is the most wonderful garden beautiful that's where traditionally we've held the summer fair, only we couldn't hold it uh, last year, obviously. The Christmas Bazaar, which was always a big event, that's now down at the church, which is a better idea, really, because it gets more passing trade. I mean, where we are, you know where we are off the yeah. gate. There are many, many people who are living in Kensington who come for the first time yeah. and say, I never, I've lived in Kensington for 25 years. I never knew this huge place because it is yeah, quite a big yeah, place. It, yeah. This huge, huge place off yeah. Kensington Church. Yeah. I never knew this place was here. No, I have to say, I know what you mean. I mean, obviously, I live near to you and everything, so we know where it is, but it is sort of like quite, I mean, it's lovely that it's hidden in a way, but on the other hand, if you're wanting passing trade, especially for the, you know, for the bazaars and fakes and everything, it, it is very secluded, but it's also, that adds to its beauty. It is lovely. Yeah, I mean, it's advantages that that's why theatre companies like it, and that's why the exam boards like it, because it's so quiet. Yeah. But I, I often said to people that want to, to, to rent it, I said, well, what do you want to do? And they said, well, we want to have a, I'll give you one example, a record fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody wants to have a record fair um, once a month. Mm-hmm. And I warned them, you know, I said, there is no passing trade. Mm-hmm. Will, you, know, you can't put out a sandwich board yeah. and expect people to come in because there's no passing trade. Yeah. And they sadly found that out to their cost. There's a Russian, is it a Russian Christmas fair that we have every year? Is that held at yes, the too? Yes, the Russian Bazaar, that's a great event. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I hope that, hope that comes back for yeah. sure. Well, it's, um, it's been there for the donkeys as far as I know. It's been there for I years. believe so, since before my time, yes. And then there used to be another Christmas fair that was run by stallholders, many of whom were actors. I think they were actors that had antique stalls and... Is that what we describe as... I don't want to call it junk. 
Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. They, they ran stalls in Bermondsey Market or Portobello when they weren't working. And then every Christmas they had a charity fair. And that, again, was a great event, always opened by celebrities. Oh, is that what we call, when we talk about actors who aren't, aren't working, is that not when we say they're, they're resting, darling? We're resting, yes. <laughs> yeah, you're probably, you're, you're probably going to tell everybody that I used to be an actor. I am. Yeah. Well, that, that, was, that, that was my perfect segue into saying, because actually, to be honest, you, well, you, you, you were an actor, weren't you? So I was an actor, and that's one of the reasons why Hillary, my wife, said, well, you'd be so good at the job because you'd know all the West End theatre companies probably, yeah. you already know of them, sadly not worked for many of them, but um, uh, you would know what they were talking about. And yeah. When, if they said, can we work late during the get out or something, you, you'd know what they meant and yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Or does the stage have a proscenium arch or something? You'd, you'd know what they meant. Yes. So uh, yes, I was an actor for about, 18 years something like that and then when my children were small I was away so much I didn't want to always be away you know I wanted to be able to pick my work yeah so I, I start I started a small bit gift business uh -huh. to make money when, uh, pay for my children's education because where that? we were there wasn't a, any particularly good state education I mean I never thought when I was at university that I would pay for my children's education <laughs> I thought it will all be sorted out by then, and there will be, and there probably won't be any private schools, and all state schools will be fabulous. But yeah. unfortunately, where we live, they weren't, and so we had to get our put our children through the private system. And as you may or may not know, that costs a lot of money. And my accountant one day said, "How are you going to pay for this? Oh, yeah. you, where are your girls going to go to school, Adam?" And you know, hoping they're going to go to Alain's. Uh -huh. And um, he said, well, how are you going to afford that? So I started a small gift business. Gizmo. It was called Gizmo and Widget. Okay. And okay. there may be people out there, if they're of, a, of an age, mm -hmm. who may remember that um, I used to do Christmas fairs at the town hall and mm -hmm. for the Junior League mm -hmm. and at the Duke of York's Barracks when it was still a barracks mm -hmm. um, and Chelsea Town Hall and various schools in the area, stuff like that. So going going back to, to, to being an actor, that's how I met my wife in Repertory Theatre in <laughs> West End on Sea, and in 1976. Wow. So had you always wanted to be an actor? Did you, so you went to university? Did you do? Did you study drama at university? No, no, I didn't. I went. I studied modern history uh, at university, but then I got into the. I was lucky enough to get to Oxford, and I went to. The, I, I worked for did plays with the with the Oxford University Drama Society. Mm -hmm. which did, and um, had many illustrious contemporaries there. Um, I suppose the most famous friend I had there was Mel Smith, who oh, you, you know, oh, of, that, yes. sadly died some years ago. He was a good friend of mine and directed me in plays, and I was in plays with him mm -hmm. at the Edinburgh Festival. And, and when I was still at Oxford, an agent came to see a play, and I'd heard that he'd come to see this play and said, so I wrote to him and said, do you think I might stand a chance of becoming an actor? And he flatteringly said, yes, I think you might. Um, mm. So um, I, uh, I gave it a go. And I was I, I did a lot of work, but not very well paid work. But I was with the National Theatre for oh. three and a half years, which 
was exceptional in those days to be to be it wouldn't happen now to be in a theater company for that long but in in those days when peter hall so peter hall ran the ran the national so that's when i worked with um a lot of wonderful wonderful actors yeah like um ralph richardson and dorothy cheating and michael gambon yes robert finney amazing names i mean sort of like they're sort of they form the like my childhood, just I mean, sort of like, and well, I'm, you know, all of the plays and TV work that I think, I mean, they're all big names from that, what, the 70s and 80s? Yeah, I was there from 1978 to 1981. Wow. Yeah. Um, so after university, did you, did you say you went to a repertory company or was that the National Theatre? Yeah, I, I didn't go to drama school. I, I just wrote to all the, because in those days, you couldn't become an actor till you had an equity card. That's right. And you couldn't get an equity card you could only get an equity card from doing a sort of apprenticeship at, at oh. rep you had to have 40 weeks work mm-hmm. as a provisional member before you could get your full equity card and each theater each repertory theater had a certain number of they could have two maybe or three provisional members at any one time so you had to wait a very nice director called christopher dunham i wrote to him and he wrote back and said i'll bear you in mind and he did and about five or six months later, he wrote to me and said, are you still needing a card? Come and see me. That's and um, he showed me around the theatre, a wonderful Victorian theatre in Westcliff on Sea. Mm-hmm. We stood on the stage and they were doing pantomime. And I remember there was sort of the head of the giant propped in one corner and Tallulah the cow costume and all this wonderful tinsel. And we stood on the stage and he said, do you like the theatre? And I said, it's fabulous. And he said, would you like to work here? I said, I'd love to. And he said, can you start a week on Monday? Fabulous. And I went, I went back on the train to London. I did, people talk about, you know, floating on air, but I literally was floating on air. My feet were off the ground and whatever. It was just the best feeling. You know? And get, for me, getting the part in a play was always the best feeling. You know, it's downhill after that. Once the work started, it was, it was almost downhill after that. But, but I mean, the joy of being at St Mary Abbott's when there are rehearsals, and yes. God willing, fingers crossed, I have a theatre company that just rang this morning. They've been hoping to start, and fingers crossed, they're going to start rehearsing on the 15th of March. Um, and then we have other theatre companies. Uh, Chichester Festival Theatre rehearsed here a lot. The ENO rehearsed here. Really? The Old Vic, the Young Vic, the Royal Court. That's incredible. West End Theatre companies. Because the theatre is so big, you've yes. been in there. Yes. The, the floor space is so big that every West End stage, with I think the exception of the Palladium, can fit. They can put their the plan of their yeah. set yeah, yeah, fit yeah. on the floor of the theatre. It is big, you're right, you're right, it's just big. But I didn't realise that there was that that much going on there. I know that it's like, for example, the Parkinson Society, they used your centre as well, don't Downstairs they? in the smaller room, we yeah. have lots of smaller, we have all those things you would expect, mm. like um, monkey music and you know, those kind of things. What is monkey? Although, oh, you know, kids, um, oh, right. you know, little, little ones doing music yeah. and, you know, tumble tops, that kind of stuff and Pilates classes and those kind of things mm-hmm. um, and then we have Kensington and Chelsea Parkinson support who started using us 
and then all the uh, the Dole Club of Great Britain. It was delightful. They come every six weeks, and then political parties of certain persuasions, and then we have a ballet school here. We have a the Natalia Kremen Ballet School have two rooms at the back of the of the centre, uh, a permanent they're now permanent ballet school, uh, very good ballet schools. It's almost like sort of like a world within Kensington. It's sort of like I, I mean I live next almost next door to you, and I had no idea that so much was going on in that centre. It's incredible. There's always something going on. And yeah. if there's not something going on, then, you know, there's probably a burst pipe or something like that. Now, just going back to what you said, something about equity. I always thought that in your in the acting industry, everybody had to have an equity card and you had to have a unique name. Is that not true anymore? No, they, you, you you have to have your, your own name. Yeah, you can't, you you know, you can't say, well, I, I, I'd like to become an actor and I'm going to call myself Albert Finney. No, mm. you, but you don't have to, it's not a closed shop anymore. So uh, you, a, anybody can get a union card. So if okay. you get a job, you can get a card. And um, if you've been to, I, believe, I think if you've been to a recognised drama school, then you automatically get one. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not as not as hard as it was to get to get started. I mean, it's probably harder yeah. to, to have a career. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's, it's always been one of the hardest careers. And I mean, I never, I never meant to stop being an actor, but I started this business selling stuff. My wife is, is American, and we used to go to America on holiday. And when we came back, we used to bring particularly children things. People would say, "Well, where did you get that?" And we said, "Well, we, I bought it from America." So mm-hmm. I started this little business called Gizmo and Widget, which was going to sell a lot of gadgets mm-hmm. and. Gizmos would be the American ones and the widgets would be the British ones. And it sort of took off. And then the one day I woke up and I wasn't an actor anymore. I was I was Mr. Gizmo. Mr. So, yeah, yeah. Yes. So I'm just thinking, you know, we, we used to have, talking about going back to Mel Smith, we used to have a last Smith and Jones. And I was mm. thinking it could have been a last Smith and Norton, but it actually could have been a last Smith and Gizmo. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, um, I... Um, yes, well, no, yes, uh, Griffith's Jones a lot funnier than, than, than I um, but, uh, I mean, I could, I always think, well, the great thing about being an actor is when I retire from here, I could always become an actor, you know, again, you know, nothing to say you need to retire, um, make the, I don't think I'll try, though. Well, I know that my window cleaner is actually an extra and he must be about 77, I think now. So it, it, all, all is possible. But just going back to the acting side of stuff. So you, you, you got this job, you got your equity card through repping Westcliff on sea. You know, what does that mean if you're in rep? Are you touring the, the country? And at what point did you go into TV? Did you go into film? What, how, how did yeah, the- No, rep, rep, repertory theatre doesn't really exist anymore. Uh, a repertory theatre did plays in in repertory. Amanda, you when you're, you you join the company, you rehearse a play, you put it on. Mm-hmm. Once it's on, a few days later, you start rehearsing the next play and oh. you put it on. Okay. Now, in, in the old days, there used to be. I was in three weekly rep, which meant there was a new play every three weeks. Mm-hmm. There used to be weekly rep, where the theatres would put on a different play every week. How that worked, I can't imagine. I know that for the, I've read somewhere that for the sets, that they just used to paint these flaps of whatever colour. Then mm-hmm. the next week, they would paint stripe onto the colour. Yeah. And then the next week, they would just stencil 
fleur de lis or something yeah, yeah. And, and do a play about Richard of Bordeaux or something like that. And then the next week, they would just paint it all a different colour and start again. But how the actors learned their lines, I, I can't imagine. So from your days when you were acting, did you have a favourite actor or group of actors that you used to work with? Uh, not really, but I think when you're in a play, as long as it's going well, they're all your favourite actors at, at that moment. Yeah. You know, I, I was in a play uh, in the West End called Hapgood by Tom Stoppard mm -hmm. uh, with Betsy Kendall and a lovely actor called Roger Reese, who's no longer with us, and another lovely actor that people will know, Nigel Hawthorne from Yes Minister, you know, yes. sadly no longer with us. So that was a particularly happy company, and you know, you, you know so much about them, you eat with them, try not to sleep with them, um, and so on. Um, and then after that play finishes, you, you might keep in touch, they, they might ask you to the odd party or something, but but usually uh, you, you drift away and then you're in another place and you've got another set of fresh mates, you know, and that's joyous. That's joyous. And also if there's, if there's a director that you don't get on with particularly or an actor that you, that you rub up against, the great joy of the thing is that in a few weeks or months time, you may, you'll never have to see them again. Um, unless they turn up to rehearse at St Mary Abbott's when 30 years later you find yourself as the centre manager. Um, Luckily, nobody that I didn't get on with has turned up, but Felicity Kendall came to rehearse the play here and, you know, looked at me and said, I, I know you, what are you doing here, you know? And that just, is that's enough theatre for me, really, to be the joy of the first day of rehearsals. I go and there's a meet and greet. That was always my favourite bit of, the, of, of doing a play, really, downhill after that. Um, and I came back to my office, oh, I just wish I was in that play. Yeah. Um, uh, Sir Ian McKellen was in it. Ian McKellen was in it, who I didn't know, I hadn't met before. A delightful, delightful person. But at the end of the day, I saw, you know, the car come for Sir Ian, and I saw a taxi come for the leading lady, and a Addison Lee come for a couple of other Ubers. And then I saw the other actors trudging back to the tube, yeah. you know, thinking, Gosh, my part's not as big as I thought it was. <laughs> and I thought, no, you're probably, you're probably better off. So, so apart from rep and sort of like the, the, the three weekly rep, were you, in, were you in any TV series or films? I didn't do very much television. I did mostly theatre and I was very lucky in the I for the first few years, I was never out of work. I never, I think five weeks was the longest that I didn't know when my next crust was coming from. But I was lucky enough to, um, I was in a television series called Diana, nothing to do with Princess Diana. Mm -hmm. um, it was one of those written by a chap called Delderfield and was, they, his things were very popular at the time. There's a very famous one called A Horseman Riding By and another one to serve them all my days. And these were sort of Sunday night things that everybody watched because yeah. there wasn't any, you know, there yeah. wasn't all this multiple choice. Yeah, yeah. And I was in one called Diana, which wasn't, I have to say, quite so popular, but it was great fun. Patsy Kensett was in it, if you remember if you know who I mean. Um, and actor that became a good friend of mine, Kevin McNally. Um, who ended up being the bosun in the um, Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yes. Uh, with a big, a big beard. So I was lucky enough to do that. And then when that came out, 
I was somebody, a cast director saw that, and I was cast in a thing called Lytton's Diary, which was um, starred Peter Bowles. I remember um, that. It was about yeah. a gossip column, and that <laughs> did two seasons. And the first series of that was terrific, uh, particularly because my, my eldest daughter, who's now in her 30s, uh, she was born on almost the last day of shooting. And we were just shooting a few pickup, what they call pickup shots, with no dialogue. And the, the, the director says, I would just want a shot of you, Adam. It was all about a newspaper office. We yeah. just want a shot of you, Adam, bent over your, this shows how long ago it was. We were on typewriter. <laughs> No, no confusion. Although we should probably have had word processing. Yeah, yeah. They were just coming in. Um, but bent over your type by typing, typing. And the director said, I will, I will just describe what I want you to do. And so, so he was talking to me and he said, go in closer, go in closer. Then he said, cut. And unbeknownst to me, the entire floor of this newspaper, we're shooting in an old electricity board showroom down in, in, in Waterloo. Mm -hmm. And it was all set up like a press room. The entire, all the extras, all everybody, and all the costume people, makeup people had come in silently behind me. And I looked around, and there they all were. And the director, the producer, came and said, with a couple of bottles of champagne oh. and said, Take these to the hospital. You've been absolutely hopeless this morning because, you know, my daughter's <laughs> been born at the night before. Yeah. You have been completely hopeless. We won't be able to use anything we shot this morning because, you know, a bit like being on cloud nine, I was on you know, oh. cloud 12. Oh. So, uh, so that I'll always remember when I did that. And, you know, so that was great. But apart from that, I've only done bits and bobs on, on television. Yeah. Okay. And never any films. I did a, I did a play for, uh, 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 I worked with a guy called Mike Lee, who you might have oh, heard yeah. of. Very famous. Um, I did a play for today for him uh, called Who's Who, which was shot as a film. I mean, it was made as, as a film. Yeah, yeah. And I remember the play for today. It was always on 9.25 on a Monday night. I can always remember that as, yes. No, they were, I mean, and that's- The one I was in was about, was about stock, but I played a, I played a silly ass stockbroker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Adam, you should write a book. <laughs> Actually, people have said, gosh, you should write, you should write a book because I have had these three strands to my career, such as it is. You know, you've been an actor, you've run this business, this crazy gizmo and widget business, and then, you know, you've done it. And I mean, the gizmo and widget business, I used to go to all these charity fairs, often run by what I sometimes called ladies who lunch, you know, and doing this charity work. And the ones in the country, you'd sometimes be put up by members of the committee. And mm -hmm. you'd, you'd find yourself staying in a stately home somewhere. And I remember I was in some stately home in Worcestershire somewhere, where it's quite obvious that I was going to be woefully underdressed for dinner. You know, they've actually changed for dinner. And the, the, the mistress of the house said, well, you know, showed me to the room and then said, well, you know, you don't need to come down till you hear the gong. <laughs> you know, summoning me for dinner. And I was up there sort of quaking, thinking, oh, heavens. Fantastic. I, I managed to survive. And sometimes these houses would be freezing cold as well. <laughs> you know, you, you try, you've always put, put a 
a, get a rug off the floor to put her on the, over the bed. But um, uh, they were they were fun. That that was was good fun. Those those charity fairs. As any if there's anyone out there that listening that's done them, they'll they'll know what I mean. <laughs> so um, I know you've been here for about ten years, but you used to live in the borough, I think, when you were younger. Do you see that much has changed around here in the last few years? Yes and no. I think well, yes. If I told you what I. I, I had a flat with my sister and brother. We bought a flat together in Corkfield Gardens, three-bedroom flat in Corkfield Gardens with balconies. And uh, I think we paid, well, I know we paid, we paid £24,000, which was quite a lot of money in those days. We paid, we paid £8,000 each. We, yeah. we had a, we'd got a small inheritance. And my sister, in her infinite wisdom, and but she's a businesswoman, which I am not, she was renting a flat, my brother was renting a flat. I was coming back from rep to live in London and looking at renting a flat. And she said, why don't we buy one? So we bought a flat. And at the same time, my uh, now wife was renting a flat in Pond Place. Mm -hmm. But there were lots of people renting flats, young people renting flats in observatory gardens, mm. um, you know, Redcliffe Gardens, uh, Earl's Court, Nevin Square, all these places. That were, it was full of young people mm -hmm. renting flats. So the, the place was full of, of young working people, students, drama students. Yeah. Hillary had been at um, Weber Douglas Drama School, which mm -hmm. was used to be in Clareville Street, got not anymore, gone. And I think, you know, now property prices are just crazy. Yeah. And so there's, well, you know, I don't need to tell you, I walk, you know, I walk my dog late at night and I go past big, big modern apartment building behind us, which has gone up since I've been here. And I went out last night to let the dog out in the garden behind the center. And I looked up, I think there was maybe one flat lit up yeah. in this huge building and everybody else was, well, maybe they fled to the country because of COVID, yeah, but you know, there's so much, so many empty flats. Where, yeah, investment. You know, if, we're going to, if we're going to be political, you yeah. know, is is not good. Um, um, yeah. But lots of things have stayed the same. There are still, as you know, some of the good old local people and lots of institutions. I mean, when I first came to London, my my grandmother lived in in Sussex Garden. So I used to come and see her, and then that was when the King's Road was Bieber and Kensington Market and all, all that. Mm -hmm. um, so that changed to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. But certain things haven't, I think, are, are very similar. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, one of my favourite restaurants, Maggie Jones Restaurant, is exactly the same as it always was, seems to me. Yeah, going to the Royal Court Theatre is pretty much the same as it was, and that's why the community groups that there are in Kensington and Chelsea are so so important. I agree with you. Things change, and some sometimes things just stay exactly the same as well. And I think I think that's true around here. You know, things do change, but as you say, there's still that core of people and character yeah. that's still here. And I agree. I think the biggest change came. It was extraordinary, really. It came two days before one of the summer fairs, and that was the Grenfell fire. Yeah. I think the fire in Grenfell Tower, that's really changed so many people's thought processes 
the one thing positive I think that's come out of it is that people do realise how Kensington is all mountain boroughs. North Kensington is so very different to, yeah. to, to you know, if you if you're down here, if you only came yeah. to you know to Chelsea, if you only came to Knightsbridge and yeah. uh, you know around here. I think even I, or even though I used to, I mean, and I used to go to Kensington and to the leisure centre, I used to yeah. go swimming. Yes, yeah. And so I looked at, I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know that was going to be power. Yeah. I, um, I never appreciated that that was going to, and even working for the church, when you, where you know that the, the you know, there's a, a lot of um, people less well off, uh, you know, than others. I, I didn't realise quite the discrepancies. Mm. it is very it is very different i i agree i think it's well quite a big borough and as you say you know everybody just thinks it's a it's you know an extremely wealthy borough and parts of it are but actually as you say there's two or three parts of it that actually really really are not and there, there is a big discrepancy there but, you know I, I think as a result it is now more of a it's becoming more inclusive yeah uh, of, yeah uh, it should be rather yeah. than i think I think there were people who would, would have liked to, to brush certain aspects of North Kensington under the carpet, you know. And uh, I think it's good that really the, the lid has been lifted on. on, yeah. on that. yeah, and it, it, we get more equality across the borough, I agree. Yeah. Just talking about sort of like, you know, um, when you have the time to relax and go out, where are the places in and around Kensington that you you really enjoy going to, whether it's sort of in the afternoon or the evening or if you have friends or family over pre-pandemic? Where, where are the places that you enjoy going? Well, in the daytime, of course, uh, if I get, I mean, this morning, where have I been? Uh, up early and walking my dog in Kensington Gardens, which, of course, is, is beautiful at the moment. Yeah. It is beautiful. And it's by and large incredibly well maintained i always think it's amazing that by and large if it's been a sunny day and you've gone in the evening and the place is strewn with rubbish because people are so bad at taking their rubbish home it is amazing how quickly it is it is cleaned up and and it looks fabulous in all its seasons particularly now with daffodils coming out and whatever. so i thoroughly enjoy walking around the park and i thoroughly enjoy walking around the area because there's such a there's such a so many lovely buildings and blue plaques to read and well you'll know in the spring the wisteria on some of the buildings yeah, um, yeah. and in the evening we enjoy going when when we can going to the cinema the gate cinema yeah you know the the coronet yeah the theater the coronet uh the royal court of course and then we're not short of a few restaurants and I do feel that restaurants have been badly treated a bit during the, during the pandemic because there are some restaurants near here. There's Dea Michi's Trattoria, which is um, opposite the Russian embassy. Oh, yes. Dea Michi's Italian Trattoria has been there for years, uh -huh. run family-run restaurant, and they put in COVID safety things, plexi screens, took out half the tables, did everything. I felt safer there, yeah. dining there when we could, than, you know, than I did going to Sainsbury's. So I do think they've been it's a tough on restaurants. Yeah. And particularly when you think of the thousands of people in the hospitality industry. Yeah. And the pubs, you know, the pubs as well, yeah. of which I'm a frequent visitor to. 
the many in the, in the area. <laughs> well, I think you're right. I think that it's all right. Hospitality in particular has really been badly hit in the last year or so. But, you know, I reckon that once we get the, the green light and we're all sort of like allowed and they're allowed to open again, I think that, you know, if I know what we're like as people, we'll be in there straight away spending lots and lots and lots and lots of money because I think we're all just champing at the bit to get back into yeah. the restaurants and pubs and bars and things like that. So hopefully they'll they'll stop making lots of money again. I hope so. I, I hope so. I did hear somebody on the radio the other day saying that they predicted that we will forget about this pandemic sooner than we think. Do you know what I mean? Well that I we that that you know historically obviously it will be a big, big thing. Yeah. But we will forget about it. Yeah. After all, how many people knew, I knew because I read modern history at Oxford, but there must have been many, many people who didn't know that there had been a huge flu epi epidemic that, that killed millions of people after the First World War. There must yeah. have been loads of people that didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, and so I think there will be young children. I mean, I know it's impacted not on small children but when they are my age they may well say like maybe children that were small during the war mm -hmm. they'll, they'll remember certain things about yeah. it. But yeah. the, the, the misery of it yes. <laughs> god willing we'll see. Like, not, like well, they'll forget yeah like childbirth not that i can speak personally of childbirth but you know, yeah. That you, otherwise, you wouldn't go through it again. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, God willing, God willing, we'll soon return to happier times, and uh, the Mary Abbott Centre will be full again. Though, unfortunately, the exams which we used to hold here, I don't think will come back because of lockdown. Schools and universities have had to put all that online. Yes, they've discovered ways of doing that. Yes, that's and true. they have now realised that actually. They can do exams online and it's almost easier. So on that note, if anybody wanted to sort of like hire or speak to you about like using the centre, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, we have a just search us online is the best thing, either through the church website, put in St Mary Abbott's Church, you'll see a link or the Mary Abbott Centre. And children's parties is something we love having at the weekends. And it is a very good place for, for children's parties. And a lot of people used to say that the long room where, which is a great room for children's parties, was a very peaceful room. And the children always behaved very well in it. Well, we've repainted it. Mm -hmm. And I'm worried that the feng shui now of the long room might be a colour that actually makes children hyperactive. But we'll have to. <laughs> We'll have to see. On that note, Adam, I'd really like to say thank you very much for your time today. It's been really interesting. I mean, I've known you for a long time, but I didn't realise that you had, you know, hearing about your, your past and your history and how much goes on at St Mary Abbott. So thank you very, very much. So many, so many strings to my bow, but not able to shoot an arrow very far. <laughs> That's not that I've never heard that before. Fantastic. Thank you very much indeed. Well, it's, been, it's been very enjoyable. And it's a lovely it's a lovely spring day, isn't it? So it's we're, we're optimistic for the future. Thanks. Thank you so much, Selma. I really enjoyed it. Thanks to Selma and to Adam for that fascinating interview. You can learn more about the centre on their website, smacentre.co.uk. And that's all for this week. 
Join us again next time on the Kensington Podcast. Goodbye.